This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Powerplay, a series which is part of The Straits Times' Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Denson Chung, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. And I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. Every month, the both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. This episode, we're going to look at the issue of semiconductor chips and why, also how, America and China are fighting over them. So semiconductor chips are essentially you know, wafers of silicon with billions of transistors printed onto them. They're essential because they're basically the backbone of all our uh, electronic devices, you know, our phones, computers, cars, uh, home appliances, satellites, you know, fighter jets. I I mean, you you just name it. Yeah, that's been called the new oil in the sense that control of these critical components in the 21st century is strategically important. Yes, and you know, uh, Carissa, we got a taste of this during the pandemic back in 2020 and 2021, when COVID-19 lockdowns caused chip foundries to shut down, you know, at the time. You know, there was all this demand for technology for people to work from home. And, you know, it just created a perfect storm. So the advanced chips that the U.S. uses are not made on U.S. soil, but in South Korea and in Taiwan. So Washington has been increasingly concerned about this vulnerability, and it wants to have access to chips all the time. It's also... Foundries from Taiwan and South Korea make the bulk of the world's semiconductor chips. So it really drove home the point of how important securing these supply chains uh, would be. So this, uh, I think, is where we are at. You know, Washington is locked in a chips race with Beijing, which has been striving, you know, to try and nurture its own chip industry and become less reliant on foreign chips. So I think let's let's just dive in. You know, what are the US and China racing over, and what are their strategic vulnerabilities? Yeah, sum up the state of play right now is this. You know, America's chip making expertise is one to two generations ahead of China's, but Americans' production of chips has been losing ground to East Asia. And America's big vulnerability is that despite its expertise in designing chips, it overwhelmingly depends on Taiwanese and South Korean manufacturers for leading-edge chips, which it imports from them. So the advanced chips that the U.S. uses are not made on U.S. soil, but in South Korea and in Taiwan. So Washington has been increasingly concerned about this vulnerability, and it wants to have access to chips all the time. It's also been very concerned about maintaining its chip-making lead over China, especially when it sees the money that Beijing has been pumping into China's semiconductor industry. Yes, China sees semiconductors as what it calls a core technology. And, you know, it's increasingly concerned uh, that the U.S. could, you know, contain its advancements in chip-making. President Xi said recently that China needed to pool, you know, some nationwide resources to achieve breakthroughs uh, in these key technologies. And, you know, he's, he's using some of that Soviet-era space race language here. You know, it gives you an idea of the kind of priority that the, the Chinese leadership is putting on this. So Beijing's goal, you know, is to support its domestic chip makers so they, they can manufacture the kinds of advanced chips that China currently has to import. So the plan at this, at this point is to make 70% of the chips that they need domestically by 2025. So we'll get into that later, but Carissa, you know, could you talk about the actions that the U.S. has taken to maintain its lead? Yeah, I would group those actions into two categories. The first is that the U.S. is trying to curb Chinese growth in chips. So it's doing this mostly by restricting China's access to cutting-edge equipment for making these advanced chips. And then secondly, the U.S. is trying to bolster its own domestic chip industry by rolling out incentives for chip makers to manufacture chips in the U.S. instead of elsewhere. But this prong of its strategy is more recent. Yeah, I feel like the protectionist measures have been around for a few years now. Yeah, the first group, the protectionist measures, have been going on for at least, you know, since 2019. 
So if you remember back then, the Trump administration put specific Chinese firms on a blacklist called the Entity List for national security reasons. So for example, in May 2019, it blocked American firms from selling cutting-edge equipment for making advanced chips to Huawei. And Washington also further tightened this blacklist in August 2020, when it banned all firms from selling any chips made with US technology to Huawei. And the Committee on Foreign Investment in the US has also blocked Chinese firms from accessing advanced chips, as we can see in its blocking of a Chinese firm's takeover of South Korean chip maker Magnachip in 2021. And most recently, the headlines were that in early September, chip designer NVIDIA said that US officials told it to stop exporting its two top AI chips to China. But I would say that these moves have only slowed, not stopped, China's semiconductor industry. And Denson, you know, how did China adapt to this blacklisting? I mean, for a couple of years now, I think China has been stepping up what it calls, you know, it's made in China 2025 blueprint. You know, this is its plan for technological self-sufficiency. But it's very much behind. You know, remember where I said Beijing wanted to make 70% of its chips domestically uh, by 2025? You know, some analysts estimate that China only makes about 12% of the chips it uses uh, right now. So one thing that I think Beijing has been doing is it's been ramping up its spending on basic research. Uh, and, and, you know, this is the kind of fun- fundamental research that's, that's necessary for scientific breakthroughs. So last year, it spent something like a billion yuan on, on basic research, which, you know, it's an increase of, of nearly 24% from 2020. So that's a big jump. And I think it knows that its past efforts to catch up, you know, have not given it the results it wanted because uh, the emphasis was always on development and production. You know, for example, you know, they, they built wafer plants uh, instead of putting their efforts on fundamental technologies like material science and lithography that would help them make these sort of very advanced chips that they want. You know, and I think China has made some significant progress. You know, the Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corp, SMIC, is China's largest chip maker, recently managed to make semiconductors using 7 nanometer technology. You know, that's a big, big leap forward from its established uh, 40 nanometer tech. So the nanometer, you know, is basically is the measure of the gap between the edge circuits on a silicon chip. So the smaller the gap, the more advanced the chip is. So China previously only could make up to 14 nanometers now, you know, they're they're down to 7 nanometers. Yeah, that report does seem to have lit a fire under the US Congress, even though, you know, experts say that they may have some way to go to expanding production. But basically, US Congress, in response almost, passed the Chips and Science Act in late July, which was a whopper of a 280 billion US dollar package that will subsidize semiconductor manufacturing in the US, and it will also pump billions into chip-related research. So the centerpiece of this bill is this US $52 billion in grants to chip makers. So these are incentives for them to set up and expand semiconductor fabrication plants, or FABs, in the US. So the bill also has another $24 billion in tax credits for investing in FABs and almost $200 billion over five years towards scientific research, which is just a lot of money. But the thing that really caught China's attention, I think, were these so-called guardrails to prevent chip makers from taking US federal funds and expanding their operations in China. So there's actually this provision that bans any chip maker that receives Chips Act funding from expanding their operations in China. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. The CHIPS Act especially has raised concerns of some decoupling of the chip supply chain. 
So basically, the legislation might cut off Chinese chip makers from more of their suppliers by making these suppliers choose between expanding in China and expanding in the US, where they would get federal funds for doing so. And the US is also on top of this, trying to build what it calls a chip for alliance with Japan and Taiwan and possibly South Korea. So Beijing obviously sees this as a drive to deliberately cut it out of semiconductor supply chains. And so far, South Korea has been quite wary of joining out of fear of alienating China, its top trading partner. But Japan and Taiwan don't really have these qualms. Yeah, you know, China is obviously worried that, you know, this legislation is going to lead to some kind of uh, decoupling. But as you point out, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of impact uh, it will have. China is a top trading partner for many countries and the Chinese market is very significant for, for their companies. You know, and as you wrote in your, your recent column, you know, 16% of global silicon wafers are produced in China and two-thirds of these are made by foreign firms. So accepting Chipsec funding is, is going to freeze the production capability of these firms in China at current levels. So in theory, this would force these companies to begin to gradually decouple uh, from China. You know, but moving these supply chains elsewhere is going to be a very, very big challenge. Yeah, the US-China tech rivalry has gotten chipmakers to relook their plans, and you know, other countries are also keen to get in on this action. So with the US trying to curtail China's semiconductor growth, firms are looking to expand outside of China. This might be a good thing for nearby developed economies like South Korea, which has a lot of chip-making expertise of its own, and also Japan, which is trying to revive its own chip sector because it used to be the world's number one. Don't forget Southeast Asia, you know, the, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, uh, the world's largest chipmaker, is, you know, reportedly looking to set up a factory in Singapore. Other countries like Malaysia, Thailand, the Philippines, you know, which have traditionally been more focused on uh, back-end assembly, are also looking up to move up the value chain. So there's a lot of moving pieces in motion. And we can see, you know, this chip rivalry between the US and China is leading to all these global changes. Thanks, Danson. That nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to PowerPlay. I'm Carissa Yong. And I'm Danson Chong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.